But all of us at the margins, we're all having the same conversations. What do we do with God? What do we do with Jesus? What do we do with the church? What do we do with America as a whole? Because it is getting worse. Like they're not, they ain't pulling out guns and just shooting people, but it may as well be heading in that direction. Like this just, the violence is increasing in language and politics and economics uh, and law and all of those things. And so what do we do? How do we navigate this? Ooh, this week, y'all, we starting a new series. That's right. Is God really a conservative? God must be. If all this crap that we see about, you know, no abortions and no against same-sex marriage and, you know, the list goes on. I don't know, y'all. Woo! This is Profane Faith. us a hard time for being white, being American, and being in control. I did more for our black population than anybody other than Abraham Lincoln, okay? And nobody's even close. If you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump, and you ain't black, it's our God. Jesus Christ has turned the tables on you. Amen. Victory. I hear a sound of an abundance of rain. I hear a sound of victory. The Lord says it is done. I bet he can't wait to go home and be become a black man again. This is Profane Faith, a podcast that engages faith on the margins. Faith that has been labeled profane, nonconformist, and or out there. We'll be exploring the intersections of the sacred, secular, and profane to find God. We won't be trying to answer difficult questions. Rather, we'll be engaging them and asking better ones regarding faith, race, gender, and religion. I'm your host, Daniel White Hodge. Hey, Profane Faith fam, how y'all doing out there in the place to be? Oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Well, I guess you already noticed that last week there wasn't an episode. Hopefully you had a chance. I always say it. Go back and get caught up. I hear all the time from people who say, oh, my gosh, I didn't get a chance to hear that one episode or I need to get, get caught up. Get caught up. We're still rolling here in season five. Uh, this is a brand new series that I wanted to start. I have some good friends and colleagues of mine coming on to talk about, is God really that conservative, right? Is God the God that, you know, a lot of religions in well within Christianity, a lot of denominations make God out to be, right? This kind of angry, smiting, you know, a he at that point, you know, too, right? God is always, you know, so, you know a man rather than looking at God in the non-binary form uh, without gender and, and, and sexuality. But nevertheless, you know, churches have made God out to be, you know, this real bad ass, you know, um, that's, you know, seems to be pretty conservative. God doesn't like a lot of different things, right? I think about that Rick and Morty episode where, I think it was the, the season four, uh, where, you know, Rick has sex with a planet and, uh, you know, they they go because the planet is like, oh, these kids are all yours. And then Zeus shows up and Zeus doesn't like the technology. Right. <laughs> Zeus is like, you know, like, man, fuck that, man. I like, you know, Jerry ends up becoming uh, like a god with these other the, the ones that the, the rejects that uh, Rick or that actually that Rick um, and his daughter, Beth. They, they reject, they all want all these productive brainiac scientists building all this technology and the ones that are kind of dumb, they reject out into the corner. And that's the one that Jerry, if you follow the series, I'm telling you a whole bunch now, but if you follow the series, this is when Jerry becomes the God of so when Zeus shows up, this God, he, um, you know, he's just like, no, I'm gonna endow you with my powers. You know, I like that shit, man. So is God really that? You know, this guy like, man, fuck all that, man. You know, I, 
I'm telling you, man, I, sometimes I believe that shit, which is why I wanted to start a series and to have some conversations around race, class, gender in regards to the God of the Old Testament. I don't truly believe that that argument is completely done. Um, and at least for me, it's not. And it's something that's intrigued me ever since grad school that... You know, the God of the Old Testament, right, is killing motherfuckers, is, you know, taking motherfuckers out, right? You know what I'm saying? Um, you know, the God of the Old Testament didn't like a lot of shit, <laughs> right? And even when the motherfuckers was trying to build, the, you know, the city of Babel, right? Katz was just like, look, you know, think about that from a different perspective. Think about the fact that from the technology of, of the land. Like, right after the flood, right, you got all these motherfuckers rocking around being like, look, we don't know what the fuck guys gonna do so let's build this shit let's 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 create something that can be that can give us shelter and and actually maybe even connect us to god really you know when we think about it right what what is the difference between a sky elevator right think about that if you those of you familiar with that nasa's toyed with that concept for a long time right um it's something that is physically connected to the ground stretches all the way out into space uh you know that's something that would save a lot of time and fuel and consumption in fact that's the way they're saying we can move forward uh, in space travel is to have a sky elevator uh, because then you don't have to worry about rocket ships. You can, you know, you know, keep sending things up and down, up and down. Several movies have played with that idea, um, uh, you know, but think about that. Somebody who's just like, look, let's make a sky elevator. Shit. Let's let's go see God. Let's have a conversation with this motherfucker who just drowned the entire fucking world population. <laughs> right. Um. I don't know. I, I think about that from different perspectives, right? We were always told the Tower of Babel, God, man being trying to be God. But if Jesus said your faith, right, can move mountains, what the fuck is that? <laughs> seriously. No, let, that, seriously. Think about the quantum mechanics that need to happen for your faith to move a goddamn mountain. <laughs> okay. Oh, peoples, peoples, peoples. I'm telling you, man, there's some shit out there. So I wanted to have some conversations around that. This week, my good friend and colleague, man, I love this brother. He is he is literally like a brother to me. And uh, I have appreciated just his wit, his insight. Uh, the man knows a, a good bottle of scotch as well. Uh, so, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, and uh, brother Sean Watkins, uh, the Reverend Sean Watkins. I'm hoping it'll soon be Dr. Reverend Sean Watkins. Um, but, you know, like I tell everybody, hey, get into a PhD program that is going to pay you not what you need to pay them. Um, and so uh, this is the first brother we're having on. And, uh, you know, I really wanted to kind of center this around how do we deal just even with the onslaught, right, of motherfuckers who are against critical race theory. In fact, let me play you a little clip from your sister in God, Candace Owens. Check this shit out, man. Check, check it, check, check it out. Sadly, this is kind of being institutionalized now because kids are learning this. And, and I know, Isabel, you do a lot of work in this space and talked about, you know, your experience in a college campus as a conservative. But there just seems to be this pollution of minds that all they want children to think about is race. And before uh, earlier today, I actually had a friend reach out to me. Her daughter attends a boarding school in Connecticut. And after the, the trial verdict was read, this is what they sent out to all of the kids. I actually could not even believe. Um, and I'm not going to obviously read this in, entire um, letter. But it says, 
For many, the state of Minnesota versus Derek Michael Chauvin has been a stark, heart-wrenching reminder of the suffering one human being can inflict on another. It has also been a painful reminder that racism still permeates and threatens the everyday lives of marginalized, marginalized groups in this country. Can one of you guys help me? What was the element of the Derek Chauvin trial that was proven to be about race? Still have yet to answer that question. One piece to be of honest. proof. But you're right. Critical race theory is the cancer of education that's now effectively indoctrinating this entire generation of young Americans that are now going to grow up and take that beyond school, so beyond elementary school, beyond middle school and high school and their college campuses, into whatever realm of American society they work in, the halls of Congress, a corporate boardroom, America's streets, genuinely believing it is our duty and responsibility and it is morally correct to view people differently based on their skin color, to believe that white people have had this inherent advantage in our country forever, they still do, and black people are always inherently disadvantaged. That is actually verbatim the curriculum taught by the New York Times' 1619 Project, which is now taught in every Chicago public schools school and many other school districts across the country. But here's the million dollar question that nobody has been asking throughout this process. This concept of systemic and institutionalized racism, if it really exists, let's examine every system and institution in American culture today. Higher education and academia, big tech, large corporations, Hollywood, the music industry, movies, everything that permeates our culture daily, all the way up to the federal government, is all controlled by the left. Right. So if there's really systemic and institutionalized racism, as our president of the United States says, who's really at fault to blame? That's, that is a great, great question. And Brandon, like if your child was at this school and this letter went out, knowing your perspective, what, what would you do? Oh, I'm gonna act a fool. I'm a whore parent and act a fool. They're going to call, call the police on me and everything. <laughs> you know, this Which is, is your opportunity to become a victim, by the way. Right, call right. The police. Hey, yeah, I'm, hey, hey, I'm going to get some money out of this. But <laughs> this is unacceptable. You don't brainwash kids like this. Let me tell you this. The people who are teaching their kids to, to love this country and to be accountable for your actions, they are succeeding. You are succeeding. I'm succeeding. When you look at this stuff, if you teach your kids to be a victim their entire life, they will be the bums walking around with no job, being a permanent activist. They're not gonna own businesses. They're not gonna make it up the corporate ladder. Nobody's gonna hire these people. I will never hire somebody that's sitting around making excuses. When I hire people, I do interviews and I talk to them. What value do you bring to the table? If you say something stupid, like systemic racism, or so, I will never hire you. <laughs> it, this is a complete lie. And the reason why they say it's systemic is because they never plan to fix it. Mm -hmm. They want it to be the boogeyman that they never fix. If you say the court system is racist, pick the judge and you show me that racist judge and have him fired. If you mm -hmm. say our country is inherently racist, Joe Biden, who probably can't remember the old Joe Biden because he's brain dead. Joe Biden, how about you step down, Mr. White Supremacy? Right. How about you yeah. step down if white people are the problem and give a black person your spot? They will never do that because they're steady line and they just want to push a narrative that will never be successful. He just and, might do that because Kamala Harris is always just behind him. I know. Every time he's speaking, right? So those could be your, those could be famous last words. And and I will say, I would I think it really is time to talk about pulling kids out of school. Mm -hmm. And I am not being funny. When you study World War II and you study exactly what Hitler youth was and what they were trying to do to make sure that the children that were being produced in the school systems and in Germany were coming out with these perspectives that would only help the government grow. That is what is taking place in America right now. These kids are being informed. They're being polluted with these perspectives that are not true because they want these kids to come out of school and they want them to be warriors for the government because that's what these kids are doing. They know when they're rioting and looting and Maxine Waters is saying they want them to be soldiers 
for the government and it is dangerous ideology. And I, I do want to bring up this guy. Uh, I, you may have seen it in the news. Incredible. A father pulled his child out of NYC's $53,000 a year Brearley School, whose pupils include Chelsea Clinton's daughter, slams it as woke weaning agenda and says it's teaching kids what to think. I think this man is a hero. He is, you know, and, and this is this is a very, very fancy private school. This is a funnel to the Ivy League. When my, I've sent my kids to school in the 80s and 90s, when I took one look at public schools, I resolved that I would do anything, beg, borrow, or steal, to put them into private schools, to keep them out of the government schools. I was telling Isabel, I wrote one of the worst horror movies ever made. One missed call, 0% on Rotten Tomatoes, folks. But it, but it put those kids through three years of private school because I wanted the power to walk in and say what this guy said. I wanted to say, if you don't teach my kid what he needs to know, we're out of here and we're taking our money with us. And that's that's why he's here. Thanks for joining me on this most important episode of Candace. I really do believe that this subject matter is so important. If you liked this video, subscribe mm. to this YouTube channel and ring the mm -hmm. bell to get notifications on new videos. To watch or listen to the full show, become a member at dailywire.com slash subscribe and use code Candace for 25% mm. off your new membership. Okay, so, um, yeah, I tell you. Okay, so there's a lot going on with this that I think is it it, it connects to you know where where a lot we're at. First and foremost, I mean, when you're talking about you know systemic racism, I mean that stuff has been talked about. That's part of the work that critical race theory has exposed statistically. When you think about you know what's controlled by the left, these are controlled by white males, right? White, most of them are white cisgendered males. Maybe if you you know, POC, BIPOC folks, you know, that are in there, um, you know, but it, the, the reality of it is that folks have been talking about solutions for decades. But you have to understand this type of ideology and you have to understand, you know, this this type of environment. And again, this gets embedded into theology. Like, yes, this is kind of a secular argument, but, you know, you know, brother man talking about, you know, getting coming out of uh, not wanting to go to public schools. I mean, think about where public schools are at and think about the integration of BIPOC folks into public schools and the decline of public school funding, the decline. I mean, you can actually plot this on a map. When I lived in uh, Pasadena, this is what we did. We plotted on the map. They were integrated schools in the late seventies, right? By mandate and order of the goddamn Supreme court. Right. And you could plot on a map, the demise, the decline of funding to public schools, you know, because of those, you know, that funding, part of the funding went into uh, private schools. Now, the argument, of course, is, is like, well, do you really want that kind of money? No, I don't want racist money. I, I could care less about racist money. My point being is that when you have disempowered, impoverished people, you know, coming into a system that is all that is already geared against them, then you add in the element of racism. Then you add in the element of, of not even even having any kind of, you know, fundamental support. Um, of course, there's going to be shit that comes out of that. Of course, it's going to be madness that comes out of that. My point in saying all of this is that there is a sense of resegregation just in a class, a classist way, if you will. Um, because the people that can afford that type of stuff because they've had the majority of the wealth are white folks or people who have connections to whiteness, uh, if that makes sense. So. I just wanted to play that for you because I think it's important to to, to under a little bit understand. I'm not going to take her arguments, you know, apart bit by bit. I mean, because I think a lot of them are straw hat in terms of saying like, oh, you know, this is what our kids are learning. No one is sitting in class. My daughter is she didn't the first time she actually started to get 
race stuff. I mean, she's been hearing about race stuff in the house since she was before she was out in the womb. But but the first time she actually got anything that had to deal with the, even a semblance of critical race theory, late seventh grade into eighth grade. Okay. Hell, by the, Thanksgiving was always taught to her like, oh, it was a joyous time for the settlers and the Indians to come together and have a feast, man. So all that to say, there's some ideological structures that are out there. And because folks like this sound good and because the right has utilized other people of color that you know that can kind of you know minimize right us calling out white supremacy it's very easy to get somebody like a candace very easy to get somebody like the hodge twins very easy to get somebody right um that is black or of color uh to you know to kind of stand in that gap but again those numbers are far and in between and the reality of it is is that so many of they sound really good and it's very convincing um but once you start to dig into the, some of that stuff it just doesn't even hold up there was no, no even strong critique of critical race theory like again who are the theorists that you're talking about who are these scholars that you're taking apart their work i, I want to know some of this stuff again as we're thinking about this god is still theology is still in the mix and i think we got to have a conversation so without any further ado Enjoy this conversation between Brother Sean and I, because um, we break some shit down, right? And uh, it's a very important conversation to be had. Be safe, y'all. Take care. All right. I was like, man, I'm glad Sean is, 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 is up on this, man. And, and this is a conversation I've been wanting to have it's been ruminating in my mind now for yeah. about a couple years. Like, you know, and, yeah. and it hit me one day when I was listening to some cat um, talk about, you know, the image of God and just who God is. And it was just like, well, God damn, well, the way you making God sound like God is just a little angry motherfucker. Like he's just yeah, angry and pissed. And, <laughs> and of course he's a he and, yeah, and, and you right, know, right. with the rod and the staff and, and mm -hmm. smiting people. And I'm like, mm -hmm. man, it like, and, and then, and then what gets me is just the, the variant interpretations of that. And, you know, don't get me wrong. I mean, I know Buddhists have their different interpretations and, you know, they've had their issues and, and whatnot. But there is still a sense of like, OK, that's cool. That's your interpretation. Let's roll with it. Let's see what happens here with that. Uh, whereas Christians, he's like, we just want to kill everybody. And then what makes it worse is then it becomes institutionalized. So anyway, that was just that was just kind of the genesis of this. And so I appreciate you coming together with it on that. Oh, bro. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm glad to. I'm glad to. Uh, yeah, cocaine is a powerful drug. So that's how <laughs> I'm going to describe whiteness, I think, probably for the duration of our time. So Rick James said cocaine is a hell of a drug and that whiteness, it is a hell of a drug. And it um, they when it when I don't I don't say it too often, but I don't think any of these fools to save. like I really don't like I don't think they're Christians at all. Uh, it's a it's white supremacy masquerading as Christianity. And you see that. So like they are not from Genesis to maps. That's if like, you know, you don't have an app, but you had a physical Bible with maps in the back from Genesis to maps. They don't embody any of it. Um, and I just, I don't think they saved. I don't. And I don't, I don't mean that from like a place of like the, 
the evangelical critique, like, you know, we get to determine someone's salvation. Do you know the bridge diagram or the Romans road or the four circles? Or yeah, yeah. Whatever metaphor you got from whatever generation, they snatch you into their um, into their cult uh, for a moment. But not that it's just like you don't I don't I don't think y'all actually know God and know who God is like you. You you know, whiteness and you know how to kill people and how to steal land um, and how to like, you know, have a, a theology of hypocrisy where you say one thing and then do the exact opposite all the time. Uh, so I just, I, yeah, I just, I don't think they saved, man. Like it's um, that cat, uh, Miguel De La Torre, he wrote, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, Bearing White Privilege, Resurrecting a Badass Christianity. Mm-hmm. And I just read that. And uh, chapter one, he was just like, let the dead bury the dead. And I was like, yes, that is it. Like I'm not, I'm, I don't negotiate with terrorists. If this is what y'all believe, knock yourselves out. Everybody knows y'all are nuts. Y'all know y'all are nuts. We know you nuts. Your kids know you crazy. Y'all knock yourselves out. Like, if you really, really, really believe that, like, whiteness is the way to salvation, mm-hmm. if you really believe that Jesus is only, like, a personal relationship for you individually, and it really doesn't matter how you treat anybody else, like, if you really believe that um, everybody else needs to be white in order to be saved, y'all have fun. Like, I'm done. Like, I don't. I can't help y'all. Don't save her. She don't want to be saved. Don't save her. <laughs> That's the hymn they sang in the church where I was from. The Church of the Streets in Third Ward. <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, so, okay. So this is good. And I'm sure you know, I, I mean, I just hit record. I just, I like to hit record oh, yeah, and see. just, yeah. um, you know, just <laughs> let the tunes roll. Um Well, I mean, so, so let's break that down then a little bit, man. I mean, because it's like both of us, we come out of Fuller, okay, yep. which is... Widely renowned bastion, bastion of evangelicalism <laughs> in America, one of the bastions, yes, right, right. And so, I'm sure you had to take a New Testament and an Old Testament course at some point in your <laughs> academic career. Um, I think, oh man. oh man, so, so one of the few cats that I really enjoyed over there, um, and I'm still tripping off of this cat being there full time. Uh, was Jim Butler. I don't know if you ever had him for Old Testament. Nope. Okay, so Jim Butler was interesting. He was one of the first classes I took in in, in Old Testament. I took Job from him, and okay. it, he, he he's definitely very dry. And what was funny, <laughs> here's what here's where the racism gets in. This, this is where, the, where it gets great. Because I remember when, you know, going to his office because I had all these questions, and I was like, oh, Dr. Butler. He's like, oh, no, no, I'm, I'm not a doctor. And I was like, huh? Huh? And then I did a little bit more research and dig it in, and sure enough, man, he's got a you know a bunch of masters. He doesn't have a doctorate, and but yet full time, right in a in a in a main evangelical seminary, and how sway how endowed chairs, and I'm just like, and that that always stuck with me throughout my academic career that this brother was not didn't have a doctorate, but yet was there full time. And just, and that's what always got me when people were like, well, we can't do that. I'm like, but y'all made it okay for Brother Butler over here. JB, um, my man JB over here ain't got no PhD and he living his best life, yeah. Right, right. Uh, that, that means he can fundraise. That means he has access to money. So what I, the, uh, the universal yeah. key in white evangelical spaces is not the depth of your spiritual formation. It is not your discipleship. It is not how much Jesus emanates from your pores. It's how much access to money you have. 
Yep. And if yep. you can fundraise and you can cover some of these debts, look here, you have the secret to the kingdom of whiteness. You can be the president with a, a GED and no bachelor's, no master's, no PhDs. If you got access to money, yeah, you can you can wear a Make America Great Again hats <laughs> and shirts, and you can speak uh, at devotional. You can speak at chapel if you got access to millions of dollars. So, That's it. No, well, no you I, said um, it. Go ahead. I had. Uh, I have forgotten her name, um, but I had a woman that uh, she taught old, it was the old introduction to the Old Testament class. And, you know, I grew up Baptist, so okay. uh, I think when I got to Fuller, it was like, whoever they said wrote it, that's who wrote it, and that was it. Like, I, you know, I had <laughs> praying grandmother and all that. Moses wrote the first five books, and Moses wrote the first five books, and that was it. And right. I got to seminary, I thought, like, you know, it was going to be all these old cats that were, like, more than twice my age that had been sitting in Scripture for all these years and, like, you know, Save and deep relationship with God. And, you know, they'd wrestle with some stuff and they were coming not to tell me what to think, but to help me understand how to think about things. And that wasn't this woman at all. Like we got there, we never opened uh, the Bible at all. She was obsessed with making sure that we knew that Moses didn't write them first five books and that these four <laughs> different authors, LMNOP as I called them, because I could never remember their names. They kept having these different letters for them. So LMNOP wrote right. the first five <laughs> books. Um, David didn't write any of the Psalms. Solomon didn't write any of these. And so, you know, I was ignorant. I wrote a letter to the dean. I was like, I don't think this woman is saved. Like, I'm confused. Like, if she doesn't, <laughs> you don't even believe what the book says about itself. Why is she teaching the class? Like, it was bad. A number of the black and brown students, we got together and we wrote an email to the dean. And so the professor had to come back and say, oh, no, I, I believe in Jesus. I am a Christian. And we were like, then what exactly are y'all teaching? Like, that's that's the, me, it's Fuller is, it's let's let's just do critical theory. Let's just destroy everything you know about the faith. And then we're going to graduate you and send you out into the mission field. Right. With an understanding that scripture is irrelevant. But all of these dead white slaveholding theologians who have like, you know, been critical of the text. That's who your Lord and master is. Listen to Schleiermacher and Kant and Hegel. <laughs> Let them like, you know, give right. you a robust theological scholarship. And then when you get to like these churches, Make sure you quote them, and that's what's going to like really be enriching. And people are going to yeah. high five each other in the parking lot because you quoted all these dead people. Um, but when a white cop shoots an unarmed black person, or you know, like the police won't let you pass out water uh, when you're trying to like go vote, or if you've got these Mexican and South American families that are trying to come into America because their countries are overexploited, which is how your country is rich. Oh no, we got to separate the parents from their babies at the borders. That we can't talk about. But if you uh, understand the atonement and propitiation and all that other stuff that I could care less about, that's that's when you say, "No, like throw all that mess away, throw all of it away, all of it." Sorry, story time with Sean Fuller. Uh, no, no, God bless him. yes, no. This is this is on point. This is exactly on point because I guess I'm trying to figure out that connection or that disconnection, if you will, with what yeah. you just said. With mainline theology. So, for example, I have a, I don't want to mention names because we both know yeah. who this person is. Um, and they're going through some stuff, so I'm just going to leave their name out. But I will say something that they said to me, which was somebody is going in on them about how they are a critical race theorist and a, a Marxist. Um, mm -hmm. And this person was just really, like, taken by that. And I'm just, and I'm sitting there to myself, I'm like, so? Like... <laughs> <laughs> what, what what if they did say that like what, so 
And I know I come from a spot where I, I mean, I get called all kind of names. So I'm just like, I don't give a fuck anymore. Right. But I get that for some folks that that's still the case. So what, what is that disconnect? Right. Right now. Right. We have this strong threat, uh, you know, really against critical race theory. I don't know about you heard about this new uh, law that was signed in in Florida. Uh, The governor Mm -hmm. just signed it in about where they are now going to make. Uh, anyone in a public university state their political views um, yep. or, you know, like Florida State University, right? Like they will get funding cut. Um, yep. So there is this ongoing, you know, attack. Right? Allergy to the truth. Uh, oh, oh, yeah, that. Sure. Let's go with attack. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I'm just curious. I mean, like this is where I, I struggle sometimes. It's like, is God really that? Is like, with, with, is God really the GOP? image and where is the disconnect between seeing um the the need for for people like right just basic access to health care right um debt relief like just basic things that you know there's no reason like i was uh you know i was in galena northern illinois hanging out with my daughter we took some days out you talk about vacation just took some days out we go to mcdonald's and there's this older brother man he's probably got to be easily in his 60s if not older yeah. working the cash yeah. register i'm like mm-hmm. in our society we've said that hey once you pass a certain age <laughs> right you should be able to retire like and of course he was black so i'm just like why does that like basic access to just civil liberties what stops yeah. that yeah. man like i'm curious like what like, how do we how how have we gotten to the where we gotten to now we're like i haven't having to defend if you will critical race yeah. theory i'm just like dude like what really i don't know that's layered so i think yes uh, <laughs> one of it is cultural like i think you know if you're in in the east what do you do with the elders right the elders eat first and when the asian um, and south asian um parents and grandparents when they get old you don't put them in a nursing home they stay with you in the house right like so there there is not this uh and i use the word just as an example, I don't mean it like literally, but there's not this erasure of, I think, our elders in, um, in the East as it is here in the West. Like when folks get old here, if you've got money and you had access to money, you can kind of do what you want. They'll let you stay in your house and drive your car until you like run into a grocery store. And then they're like, okay, we got to put you in a nursing home. But then ultimately though, that's what we do with our elders. We kind of put them in nursing homes. They're out of sight, out of mind. Uh, we don't have old depictions of people in mainstream media, everybody uh, on television and in movies. Um, and on the news is like 22, 25, flawless, <laughs> thin, supermodel men and women. Very few, like you know, all across the board, they're like that. And so I think some of it is we just, we don't know what to do with our elders at all in the West. Right, um, right. I think um, every generation always assumes that like, you know, that once you reach a certain point, society is going to take care of you. And this is a capitalist society. That is not true. The goal, I think Disney said it like Disney said like probably about 10 years ago, their goal is to get a million dollars from every person before they die. You are a baby, your parents and <laughs> your grandparents are buying you all this Disney stuff all the time, the toys, wow. Wow. the candy, the wow. shirts, all of it. Wow. You become a teenager, okay. superhero, the whole nine, uh, sci-fi, Star Wars, Marvel. You become a parent, you gotta take your kids there and buy them all the wow. crap. You become a grandparent, you're buying it for everybody. They want to get a million dollars from everybody before they die. This brother said, and that's like that's capitalism. That is capitalism. The goal is not at the end of your life that you get to slow down 
you have more money to give us before you die. Your funeral is going to be dead for somebody. There's going to be a job for someone. So I think some of it is cultural. I think some of it is, is capitalism. I think another part of it is, too, like that's the consequence of living in a racialized society. Uh, what's her name? Joyce DeGry, post-traumatic slave syndrome, right? You have this cognitive dissonance. You can't live in a society where you tell one group of people they are superior to everybody else and they get to go around killing, raping and owning other people for 246 years and then do it for another 80 or 90. The consequence of that is you will look at other people and not see them as human beings. And I think that's that's what we arrive at. Like it started out very racial and now it's just across the board. Now it's it ultimately really is just about money. And so you can look at someone who has a leathery face like your grandmother and say, oh, she's working, you know, at Chick-fil-A and can barely operate like the uh, the little console in front of her. Or like I feel I went to a restaurant the other day and the, um, the waiter was like more than twice my age and I'm 38. And I was like, dude, like, I don't want to be working that hard right. when I'm in my 70s. I don't right. want to do that. Right. What has happened in this man's life? Did he invest in a business and did that work out? Was he paying taxes his whole life? And he assumed that once he hit 65 or 67, yeah. he was good. Uh, did he um, yep. have a 401k yep. and good old Bernie Madoff took everything he had? What was it? What did this man do with his money in his life that has gotten him to where he is? And I wish he would tell me because I am not trying to work that hard when I'm in my 70s. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, you know, it's just it's layered, man. I don't society is not set up to care for us. Yeah, it's not a yeah. it's not New Testament biblical society. We don't have where, oh, if you've got a lot of money you're going to actually take that money, sell land, give it to the church, and then if there are needs in the community and we actually meet it. Absolutely not. The church is a hierarchy. It's all about who can make the most money, who can build the biggest building. Top 100 givers are in charge of everything. And you've got people who are millionaires and poor folks sitting right beside each other and nobody cares. Politics is set up that way. The law is set up that way. Seminaries are set up that way. So it's just the whole society has gone to hell in a handbasket uh, before we got here. And I think we're all looking at it now like y'all are tripping, fool. Like y'all lost your minds. No one can address it. We can't talk about those things. Um, and so if you have any type of, I think, truth that tries to come in and say, hey, you know what, there's, can we at least look at the data? Even if we disagree on the conclusions, can we look at the data? And I think that's what critical race theory is trying to do. They're trying to say, can we look at the data of what's happened the last 60 years? But because we live in a racist society, you can't even have the conversation. I think, right, all those questions you just asked, um, I think that's, and there's an interesting marriage, and it's more than a marriage. It's like an orgy between capitalism <laughs> and, 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 you know what I'm saying? It's more from marriage, right? It's like <laughs> it's like the whole nine guy between capitalism and American, particularly U.S. evangelicalism, right? Yeah. And there's this sense of, for example, um, you know, I I've I haven't been, you know, I've I've been very vocal about, you know, just IVP and just their their, you know, the way they dismissed my editor, right? When I was working yep. with um, David yeah. Congdon. Man. Great guy, because he wrote some book that challenged their beliefs, right, yep. on theism and yep. and whatnot. And so they were like, ah, out with you, because that seems to be the immediate thing. I mean, how many how many cats have you talking with Sean or spoken with Sean that have said, I can't say anything right now. Right. I'm mm -hmm. still on staff or I'm, mm -hmm. I'm still on, on over here. I'm a pastor. Yeah. Over here. I can't say nothing. 
people have receipts for days. When they leave uh, Fuller, when they leave InterVarsity, when I tell you the receipts <laughs> that will come out, and some of it for, uh, uh, what's his name, Jamar Tisby. Jamar, like, him, um, like, his whole crew, like, they regret that deeply. Like, Jamar's going on record. That's why they're starting this whole thing, like, leave loud. It's one of the biggest regrets that he has. He's like, I was, I left quietly. And he's like, you know, once you leave, you still are afraid somewhat, right? You're still like, oh, I can't say anything for whatever reasons. Like, whatever, how they colonized our minds. I was like that with university. I still didn't speak out on those things. Like, they did the whole, um, the rollout on biblical sexuality and that 20-page paper where they were like, if you identify as LGBTQIA or you are affirming or accepting or supporting or an ally, if you are just not a heterosexual evangelical Christian, you can't be on staff. And so either whether you identify with that or you thought this paper was stupid, there was a mass exodus of that. And a lot of us still haven't said anything about those things. Uh, and InterVarsity lost a lot of staff behind that. They didn't lose any donors, of course, uh, but they lost a lot of staff behind that foolishness. Right. But there's so many people who were like, man, when we get out of here, we've got receipts for real. I think that's how they colonize us. They colonize us into saying like that we have to stay quiet about these things, that we can't uh, disrupt or challenge these large organizations. And it's not just because they have like deep pockets and a large um, law firm like representing them so they can sue us and take everything we have. There is still that ingrained fear of whiteness. At least it is for me and somebody who lives in the South that white people will still come for you. And uh, like Paul Mooney said, they'll come for you. They'll take your kids. They'll take your life. Like we've seen that. And so I think there's this big fear um, that permeates inside of evangelicalism because of that. Was it, I think, or she was talking to Ron DeSantis. She was talking to some prominent white, dumb politician. <laughs> oh, no, she was talking, I'm sorry, Vladimir Putin. I apologize. Yeah, no, she was talking to good old Vladdy over in Russia. And she was like, you know, everybody that challenges you, you arrest or put in jail. All they tried to ask for is access to the truth, health care, kind of all these things. And she's just asking point blank, what are you so afraid of? And I thought that's what I love when I say like to these white evangelical Christians, what are you so afraid of? Do you really believe that if someone is speaking Spanish sitting next to you, they, they are going to kill you? That right. your life is in imminent danger because right. someone sitting at a table across from you is of a different ethnicity than you do. If they don't speak the Queen's English, then like they're going to take over the country. Why are you so afraid? Like I just that's that's the question that hovers in front of me. And I don't I don't that one I don't have an answer for. I don't know what their I don't know what their motivation is other than like protecting whiteness. I don't I have no idea. That's what it comes back to for me, man. I mean, I think it's just the protection of a particular ideology. I mean, as you pull back the layers, right, as you begin to kind of see some of these. And this is where the part that I feel like I feel like this is what irks me the most about how society and mainstream society like. It, you know, if you study history, I mean, people, the right has been going after critical race theory and all this stuff like that. It's been going off this for years. I mean, you, I remember listening yeah. to some old hymnals. I'm forgetting the brother's name. He's black. And uh, he's, you know, he's, 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 he's one of them. That he's like, he's not black gospel, but he was just black and Christian singer. And I remember yeah. listening to a record of his and, and he was talking about, you know, criticizing universities. Like, you know, the right has been after quote unquote universities because they're so secular and they they, they don't teach creationism and they mm -hmm. you know so there's this sense of fear but it's like one of the things that irks me the most is that people fall for the okie doke right like the general <laughs> okie doke like they don't they lose all critical senses and then you throw mm -hmm. religion in it mm -hmm. and there's something mystical 
about mm-hmm. that that then just transforms. I mean, I think this is where I mean, I have my own critiques about Adorno, but this is where I feel like Adorno was 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 right in the sense that mass media, right? It just it confounds the mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. It entraps us in those right those snares mm-hmm. of. Mm-hmm of believing that Mitch McConnell really is for the people, <laughs> right? That somehow, um, the you original know, turtle dove himself. Right. Yes. Exactly. And it's just like, it, you know, and, but we forget about all that stuff. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. to the point that, you know, you had some cats saying like, man, I wish we was back in the Bush years. And I'm just like, no, no. So I'm curious. I mean, <laughs> This fear, and I was thinking about. Here, let me let me play a recording for you. I'm gonna hope that this plays right, um, okay. and because uh, my cat's on my lap right now, so I'm gonna I'm gonna make sure this cat is. Um, <laughs> let me see. All right, let me te- let me tell me if you can hear this. Yeah, you can. Mm-hmm. Okay. I had the high privilege of meeting him with a group of pastors. It was a small group, maybe six or seven. And I didn't know that much about him, candidly. I knew a lot of negatives about him, but I really didn't know much about him. And this was my takeaway. Very different than most people. And as a result of this takeaway, I have been for him all the way to his run for the first presidency and when he, when he was elected and uh, for him in this sex, second presidency that he's running for. Uh, and this is what I saw. I saw a warmth coming out of him that I don't see translated on television today. Uh, even when he's on the air because it, it's such an adversarial uh, situation. But I believe, number one, he will be a two-term president. I believe, number two, he'll even get some Nobel Peace Prizes. I believe, number three, that he his legacy will be one of the great presidents of the United States. Uh, and I also believe that that warmth that I saw in him will shine greater and greater as he has the following, a major encounter with God himself. Mm. And it reminds me of some of the people in the Bible, but I'll take myself, I wasn't in the Bible, but I was as far away from a believer in Jesus as you could be. Uh, Jewish, uh, in the world, uh, as secular as you can, can be, the thought of God wasn't even in my mind. I would go to the synagogue on high holidays uh, or Shabbat, but I wasn't God. It was me. I was my own God, if you want to know, know the truth. And I got apprehended by the living God. And that's what's going to happen to President Trump. God is going to put his finger on him. And you are going to see not just a brilliant president of the United States, not just a president that's hearing from God, obviously, by 
the major victories this president has had, not just a president uh, that is literally walking in the wisdom of God, but when he is apprehended, you're going to see humility come out of that president like you didn't think was possible. But if God could do it to me, if God could do it to Rabbi Saul, if God could do it to Steve Strang, he can do it to President Trump. And I say a vote, because there's still many people that haven't voted yet. I say a vote for President Trump is a vote for America to be great and blessed by God. Why do I say that? Because a vote for the Democratic Party is a vote for the sin of child sacrifice. And someone might say, well, I mean, I don't like this whole abortion thing, but I just can't stand President Trump. No, no, no. Look at that one issue. A vote for Biden is a vote for child sacrifice that you will get credit for when you get to heaven, if you get to heaven. A vote for President Trump is a vote for the blessings of God. The blessings of God on our country, because God says, I will bless those who bless the Jewish people, and I will curse those who curse them. As a Jewish believer in Jesus, as a dual citizenship person, I have citizenship in the United States, and I have citizenship in, in Israel. I tell you, outside of Harry Truman, there's been no greater blessing to in Israel than what President Trump has done in his first term. Okay, so Truman, I, I, I want to. So I was a history major in college. History of American studies. Truman. <laughs> this is uh, just for the uh, reference. This was Sid Roth uh, talking about warning that those who voted for Biden will be held accountable by God. Uh, this is off Right Wing Watch. I'll put the link in the show notes. But um, uh, your thoughts, Sean, because he's covering uh, a lot of ground here yeah. in regards yeah. to this kind of. You know, this Old Testament God that still seems to be around, and of course the references to Jesus, and there's a lot of stuff in there with Jews. I mean, your thoughts on that? Come on, brother. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I agree with him 1,000%. I think he's absolutely right. Uh, <laughs> I mean, everything that he said about uh, God blessing the Republicans and uh, protecting them and kind of all that, that minutia that he gave, the, the caveat is he's, he's not talking about a biblical Jesus. He's not talking about actual God. He's talking about white Jesus. I think white Jesus does those things. Uh, white Jesus is only concerned about whiteness. White Jesus is only concerned about making America great again. Uh, white Jesus is concerned uh, that abortion is the, the issue of our time and that nothing else matters at all. And when we say abortion, we really mean the ability of men to sexually assault women and then determine what happens with women's bodies and they don't have a vote or a say so in that matter. So I think in that respect, I mean, he let the dead bury the dead. Like that is that is the strangest thing I think I've ever heard in my life, to be completely honest. Um, but it's not surprising. Like, I think if 81 percent of evangelicals voted for Trump, if like what, 58 percent of Protestants, I think, um, of white Protestants, 
And then like, I think it was 68% of white Catholics, right? Uh, again, uh, Miguel De La Torre's got that research in burying white privilege. If you have the predominant um, percentages of the majority white uh, voting populations that are faith-based all vote for him, then there is this lie that they have to believe about America, about America's exceptionalism, and about who they think that God is in the Old Testament. And it, it goes back to really that idea of the Christian nationalism, right? Like he talked about um, God blessing and protecting Israel. Pull one out for Benjamin Netanyahu. He pissed everybody off in Israel. Uh, the Muslims, <laughs> the Jews, the Arabs, the agnostics, they're like, can we just get this fool out of office? We will come together. <laughs> right. We will share power over the 10-minute period. We just get this fool out of here. Like that's, that makes sense. Like it is, it is that nationalism that's in the faith um, that I think is the most frightening for things. Like that's, it's a complete misunderstanding of who God is, both in the Old and in the New Testament. And it is this, uh, what uh, Eddie Glaude calls that, that lie, right? That belief in our own exceptionalism, that God is only concerned about white people and white people's interpretation of events, of history and politics and theology. And if we can just get in line um, with what white people are saying, it doesn't matter how prejudiced we are, it doesn't matter how hypocritical we are. Uh, and that's, that's what he's saying, like to reduce Biden and uh, Kamala to uh, abortion only and to look at Trump and say, this is God's chosen person. I think God did pick Trump in hindsight, I really do. Uh, when God gets ready to judge nations, he gives them wicked kings. And we see that in the Old Testament. Like when you, when the smiting is about to begin, <laughs> he lets like the hot, horrible mess leaders like pop up and get in there. It's like, oh yeah, no, yeah, this is a mess. I'm through with y'all. And that's what Trump was. Like he just, he... He unveiled all of these things. And I think marginalized folks, we all saw it. We tried to say something and white people were not listening to us at all. There's been a handful of them that did not vote for him in 2020, that voted in 2016 for him. And so I think some of them have seen it, but the overwhelming majority of them are like precisely like this old quasi-Jewish. He's not really Jewish. He's Jewish and cold here. <laughs> old quasi-Jewish man that's like, oh, yes, I am my own God. I'm very much, I get the benefits of whiteness. I'm concerned about me, myself, and I. And uh, it is it is utterly appalling. It is, it's frightening because that man, he lives here in the country and he believes all the mess that he said, and he's not alone. He's not alone. It's frightening. Well, and that's, I think that's just it. I mean, I think that interpretation of God is such a powerful one, right? I mean, um, even as a black Seventh-day Adventist, I was still privy to the God. I mean, it's so much and so often, right? The, the God of the Old Testament was really the God that was presented more so. And, and even if Jesus was presented, it was still a Jesus that was connected right mm -hmm. to the mm -hmm. to the God of the Old Testament and the smiting and the in the. And so I'm just curious, yeah. I mean, like. What does that reconciling look like, man? I mean, when you think about a God that's just like, look, go into the city of I and kill every nigga up in there. I don't give a shit if they animal. I don't give a shit if they baby. I don't give a damn. And like curses Aiken, right? You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like yeah. Aiken is just yeah. like, hey, I'm just going to keep a little, just a little something. Yeah. God didn't say get everything. I mean, goddamn, you know, that's a nice duvet over there. I'm going to hang on hang on to that. You know, I'm this Louis Vuitton bag for right. a minute. <laughs> right. That's a nice little thing right over there. Shit, man. You know. So 
And then, you know, all of a sudden, right, you got all these prophets that are, you know, raining down, you know, hell and damnation. And all of a sudden you get to Jesus and Jesus is just like, no, love your enemies, yeah. you know? And, uh, you know, matter of fact, I want you to bless them. Matter of fact, I want you to, you know, like, and so what, what does that look like? What does that look like for you? And, and how have you navigated, man? Some of those things, yeah. I'd be curious, you know, just coming out of that in those environments and your blackness as it yeah. stands right now. Uh, it's, I say it all the time. I am an Old Testament Christian. Like, I love the Old Testament. Absolutely. Uh, I got burnt out reading the uh, New Testament. And so years ago, and I started reading the Old Testament. And, um, man, I tell everybody, I think it's better than Young and the Restless, All My Children, and General Hospital. <laughs> yeah. You ain't got nothing on Genesis. Like, Genoa <laughs> City is nice, but Genoa City ain't got nothing on Genesis. Boy, there's so much drama in there. Um, and I think when I, I I read it for myself and I realized that what I had been taught about how God moves and operates in the Old Testament is not at all what white evangelicals teach. They teach that God is hellfire and brimstone. He just smites everybody all the time. And they take these snapshots of him and remove him from the context or remove God from the context. I want to use not masculine pronouns when describing God. They remove God from God's context. I think, and and to do that, they, they miss the entire tapestry of what's going on. We can take a sentence from anybody's life, I think, and reduce them to whatever we want. And that's just not how God operates. Like, yeah, he tells them to go in and smite and kill everybody. He also gave them 400 years. He was like, let's just give them four centuries and see if they change. By the way, the people that I've chosen, they're going to be in bondage. They're going to be in slavery, being raped and killed for 400 years as well, too. I'm just trying to see if these fools is going to repent, if they actually are going to change. Hint, hint, wink, wink, white people. Um, I'm going to give them some time to see if they are actually going to change. And if not, okay, then that's it. Like, do not pass go. Do not collect $200. The grace period is kind of ended. Um, whereas you get to the New Testament and you've got white Jesus, uh, like, um, I've forgotten his name, but uh, old dude that spoke at Urbana 70. Um, <clears throat> oh, who was like... Uh, Tom Skinner, Just he's like, Skinner, you got yeah. white Jesus with, uh, with the effeminate features and the soft hands. These ain't the hands of a carpenter. This Jesus, he would get robbed in my hood if he came to the south side of Chicago like that. Like, you get to Revelation and, like, there, there's a lake of fire where they burn <laughs> everybody. If if that ain't wrathful, I don't know what is, right? I mean, they, they got shanked in the Old Testament. They get burned in the New Testament. So, like, it's just... He's just as violent in both, but I think how he's depicted or how God is depicted is very, very, very different. So for me, I think, um, how do I reconcile those? I see a God of redemption, a God of justice, a God of tremendous patience and a God of forgiveness in both Testaments. He, he God is the same. I think what unfolds in the New Testament is infolded in the old. The new doesn't make sense without the old. I also, for me, the reasons why I, I appreciate, and I say that word, very strategically, what I appreciate about it is I think that, that God's patience has limits. Uh, as patient as he is across centuries for people, for nations, it has limits. And at some point, uh, that cup of wrath has to be poured out. If he is a God of justice, then his justice has to come. And America cannot continue to operate the way in which it does under the assumption that it is acting justly. That was Israel's problem. Hmm. They thought that they were untouchable, that they could do whatever they wanted to because they were like the God-fearing people. And God was like, oh, okay, for real? Yes, I'll let y'all go out and shank everybody when y'all were acting right. And now that you're not, the shanking will now come to y'all. And um, <laughs> that's what I feel like happens. Like, we don't talk about it all. We talk about America's greatness and then like, you know, what, uh, bombing Japan and winning World War One and kind of all these other things. 
we don't talk about the Vietnam War, this great superpower that went into Vietnam. And them Vietnamese soldiers, they were shanking them left and right. They could not stop these fools at all. It was a small nation, but they had tactics and tools, and they used uh, guerrilla warfare and America's tools against them. And I say it to be able to say, America is not invincible. Um, you will find, in my opinion, there are ways in which God's justice will continue to manifest itself. That's why all the protests are happening in the streets. But I do think something is coming. Like Trump pissed off the world. And it's only a matter of time before, unless we figure out a different way to operate in community with the world, then I think God's just going to allow some bad stuff to happen to us. It's kind of already started. Uh, but that's really how I interpret it, man. I don't think that he's like a God of violence in the Old Testament and a God of unlimited grace in the New Testament. He's both. He's a God of justice in both. And when you operate in that place of justice where you care for all, where um, you love people regardless of their race, their ethnicity, their sexual orientation, their political ideologies. When you love people, I think you see a God that blesses and flourishes. But when you act a fool and you act like there's a hierarchy and you better than everybody else, that's where the shanking starts. And I think that's what gets uh, America and these jellicles in trouble. They assume that they have diplomatic community to move out through the world and shank whoever they want to, hurt whoever they want to theologize whoever they want to and make excuses for these things. And God's patience, uh, even if it is it lasts for centuries, it has limits. And if he is a God of justice, then which he is, then this mess is not going to last forever. So that's, that's how I reconcile it in my own mind. Otherwise I think I, and you and I've talked about this before too. I don't, I don't know if I would continue to be a Christian if all of life is going to be like this, like it, there's no hope of it changing. And then when I die, it's still more of this. Like if I get to heaven and there's a white section and they all are up front closer to the throne, I don't care if I got a new body. We're going to have some problems. I'm not going to do this for eternity. I'm not. <laughs> not even if I have a vote. I did this when I was alive. Now I'm dead. And I got to go through the exact same thing again, man. I'm out. Is there another place we can go to? Is there a Wakanda over here? Like get me out. No, we're not doing this. So, yeah. Well, I mean, I appreciate that, man, because I think... I mean, I do think about, you know, afterlife. And I think about, you know, what, what happens when we die. I mean, I, I think a lot about that. I also think that we're only seeing bits and pieces of what human history is. Like, right? I mean, think about somebody, a human living, you know, 400,000 years ago. Their blip on life was survival. Um, yep. I need to reproduce. Yep. Um, I, I need to, you know, find shelter, um, keep myself warm, <laughs> some yep. basics of life. So it was, you know, their idea, of course, you know, they they didn't have nothing about modernism or postmodernism, mm -hmm. any, anything like that. It was just basic yeah. aspects of life. Um, and I think about just the lifespan of a human in general. I mean, we are a, a speck of dust on the cosmic yeah. timeline, right? You think about yeah. how long stars, even, yeah. you know, large stars that live, that burn out fast, burn out fast. We're still mm -hmm. talking millions of years. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So I, I, I do think that, you know, whenever that time comes that we'll be like, oh, wow, I had, whoa, you know, I had no idea um, that this was, that this was what it was. Um, in the, in the interim though, how then have we, how do you navigate, man, just where we're at now with, in terms of, it seems like anytime we talk about, right, white privilege, we talk about white supremacy, we're labeled as race baiters. We're labeled mm -hmm. as those who are trying to 
oppress white yeah. people uh yeah. to 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 hold them back on on you know on areas like why should we you know study critical race theory? and again i keep coming back mm-hmm. to critical race theory because it's such a a hot topic which is always fascinating mm-hmm. to me but nevertheless mm-hmm. yeah. um <laughs> it, it you know like like I, that's where i struggle because it 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 seems like we're, we're, we're not seems like we are we're reverting back to yeah. to to where we were and this yeah. you know this understanding right you got the 1619 project and then you got the 1776 yeah. project that wants to talk yeah. about this american history from a very white yeah. conservative perspective yeah. yeah um i think things, man um one i think you we are people of story. Uh, I try to make it based like we're people of story. Like we love telling stories. That's we, we watch stories. Uh, Marvel has made billions of dollars in the global pandemic in the midst of heightened racial tensions. Like Iron Man came out in 08, Avengers Endgame um, came out in 2019, like 2008 to 2019. That's been like, you know, probably one of the worst like time periods in modern American history for our generation, those 11 years. And Marvel was killing it. Everybody was uh, because we love stories. And so I think stories are powerful. The danger is we cannot mess with the stories that people tell themselves. And that's when we get into that's not when we get in trouble. That's where like the chaos ensues. And what's happening in society right now is uh, I think for the first time in American history, you have black, Asian, Latinx, South Asian brothers and sisters. I won't put y'all in the whole diaspora. Y'all are included and also separate. I see y'all. My Asian, South Asian diaspora, Latinx, Black folks, uh, my Native American indigenous brothers and sisters, we all collectively, we're not necessarily unified, but we all collectively, individually are all saying there is something wrong with whiteness and how white people view the world. And it's messing with the narrative, the story that white people have taught themselves, that they've written down as historical, theological, legal political, economic, and spiritual fact. Mm. And we've seen, this is not facts. This is a very jaded, warped, jacked up opinion. And we've never believed it. Our elders have never believed it. Uh, we don't believe it. And if y'all are going to survive, not because we're going to shank y'all, but if y'all are actually going to like survive and we don't leave y'all on an island by yourselves and just stop fooling with y'all, you can't believe that either. Um, like I was listening to um, a Navajo man, I have a, he was giving some lectures somewhere, I forgot, but he said, yeah, we really don't like follow American history. He said, we don't follow history, we follow memory. Mm. Because American history Ooh. leaves out things that our collective memory as a people, we hold on to. So we believe our memory more than we believe y'all's history. And I was like, shit. <laughs> 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 I'm sorry, I throw things because I'm black. Can I throw something at this, at this Native American man? Is that okay right now? Can <laughs> right. I throw something at this indigenous brother? <laughs> right. So, I, I think that's one, right? Like we're messing with the narrative stories that they tell themselves. Um, and so I think as a consequence, like we have to be aware of that. Like we have to prepare for that. Um, uh, dang it, I had two points that other one to come back to me. Yeah, I don't know. What do you think? So, Well, no, 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 no. This is good. I mean, I think... Oh man, I had a I had I had a point too, and uh, the Native American brother story got me, man. Um, I hate that. It'll have to come back to me here, man. But I also think that I like that memory piece because there is something about the collective memory. There's something about the body, right? That that remembers things that you can't always. It's like 
You know, you think about trauma and, you know, psychologists mm-hmm. talked about, you know, like your 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 mind will block certain things out, but it's like your body doesn't forget. Body keeps score. And and I think about that and I think about just where the Western imagination of work and mm-hmm. the pursuit of yet another goal you know, this idea and notion has led us to where we're at now, right? We've got climate yeah. change. We've got, you know, lands that are being taken out. I mean, it's like, for example, here in Chicago, um, you know, we went pretty much all of May with very little rainfall. We were damn near a foot under what we were supposed to be getting. Yeah. You know, one of the driest Mays on record, June comes. And then here this last week, we literally make up for it. <laughs> In two days. Yeah. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. So, yeah. but Whole that. Whole falling off the ice shelf uh, up north, right? In Alaska, not Alaska, but North Pole and Antarctic and kind of all that. Like you have whole states the size of Rhode Island falling off. Like, oh, it's not getting warmer. This has never happened before. Like the scientists are concerned. So, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I I think about, in the you know, these things and I think about, okay, what is the next 10 to 12 years look like. And these are the concerns that I have as a father, as an educator, um, um, as someone who has been around Christian education for way too long. And, (laughs) yeah, you know, to see where, and this, I've said this even before Biden was elected, I was just like, you know, don't think that Trump is going away, you know, if Biden wins, he's won, but don't think that that ideology Mm -hmm. is going out. Um, Mm -hmm. It was there before Trump. Yes. Trump put a face on it. He put his name on it because he puts his name on everything in gold letters. But he at least was a symbol for us to be able to say it's been building. It's been building probably since the 60s. And King was assassinated and Meg Evers and Malcolm X, like not as Dr. King said, not who killed them, but what killed them. Right. It's been building for some time. It never has gone away. There was Reaganomics. There was Bush, both Bushes. Yeah. Uh, you even had Clinton. They're like, oh, no, they did three strikes. I'll do one strike. You've always had this concept of whiteness that has always been present from the founding of America. You cannot be convicts and not want to pay taxes and get on a boat and come over to another country and kill the indigenous population and enslave another one and then say that God has blessed this. That is that is psychotic to me. Like I was thinking about it the other day. Like I just, I went to Puerto Rico for vacation. I was texting and we were talking about this and you know, like once you do this work, I remember what else I was going to say too. So I'll come back to that. But you know, when you do work, you can't turn your brain off. Like it doesn't matter where we go. You're like, Oh, this is wonderful. Oh my God. There's a, these drinks are strong. Uh, somebody <laughs> is smoking some herbs and spices around here. I can smell it. I don't know if it's legal or not where we are, but I sh- it show is strong. You can right. smell it everywhere. But at some point, you look out and you see the beautiful water and you're like, why people confuse me? <laughs> like, I said it the whole time I was on vacation. They're like, what? I was like, I don't, I don't get how, like, you can just come to an island and see a beautiful coast. Blue water and white sand. Puerto Rico, they got black sand beaches. They've been on where you go. Blue water and black sand. This is nice. I'm going to take it. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> like a whole country, like a whole island. Like that is, that is unfathomable to me. Like we just put the flag there and it's ours. How? Why? Like what, what goes through your mind that says you have to claim these people and this land and this ocean as your own? Like that is, 
That to me does not make sense. And so it's that concept of whiteness that believes it is superior. It has the right to claim and own everything, both land and people and possessions and make it themselves and quote unquote domesticated, westernize it. That's the ultimate goal. I, that, just, that to me does not make sense. Um, and so I think that whole framework that they operate from is confusing, which is why, again, I don't do the history part, right? That novel, man, he messed me up. Uh, we don't do history. We do memory. And so I'm, I want to hear more of the collective memory of people. Um, the other thing that I was going to say, too, because it came back to me and for your listeners and my friends, uh, ladies and gentlemen, that's called uh, leaving your 20s. Uh, ending your 30s and approaching your 40s. <laughs> yes. Memory is fresh and everything stays with you. And then at some point, I was going to say something. I don't know where my glasses are, my keys, the remote. <laughs> I just had it. It's called time. You can judge us if you want. It's coming for you, too. Yep. She is worthless. Anyway, um, man, your question of like, how do you navigate that, right? So one is like memory, or I think over history. The other thing, uh, Dr. Uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson, that black, arrogant astrophysicist, <laughs> I absolutely love. Yeah. Boy, yeah. The, the pride and the arrogance in that Negro is over the top, and I am here for it. I don't like prideful people, but I like Neil deGrasse Tyson. Right, right. They, <laughs> they interviewed him, and they were talking about uh, that flat earth theory that started to pop back up. Kyrie Irving right. was talking about him, a couple other folks. And Neil deGrasse Tyson, like, so what do you think about these things? World-renowned astrophysicists, like, the brother works at NASA. <laughs> right. <laughs> he right. said, what do you think about everybody, like, believing this flat earth theory? And Neil deGrasse Tyson said two things. The first one, that man said, I don't debate facts. We can have a conversation on opinion and on theory all day long. But something that has been proven with data and with research that is recognized uh, academically, legally, um, scientifically in all these different fields as true. I don't debate facts. Next question. <laughs> and I was like, it is the level of peace that you have. Like, oh, and I've started saying it now. I don't debate facts. Well, I'm just not sure. Like if marginalized people's like, there's this, it's reverse races. Okay. What do you have to say to that? I don't debate facts. Yeah. Like all these yeah. marginalized people have been saying for 400 years, that the concept of whiteness is killing us and it's killing y'all too. If you don't see that, I don't debate facts. I can't help you. The other thing that Neil deGrasse Tyson said was he said all of these conversations around how these theories that keep popping up that people don't believe, it, it demonstrates that we are producing stupid people. We are not producing people that can think deeply, think critically about things, that can listen to reason, that can listen to sound arguments, even if you disagree with them, but you can still listen to it and understand Here's the argument, I agree with your point, I disagree with your conclusion or vice versa. And I think that's the other part that I think I hold on to as you navigate these things, right? People talk about like, oh, critical race theory is this secular ideology. What's capitalism? Capitalism is very secular, right? Yes. But we don't talk about those things at all. But it's, it's like, why, why is it that like, they can't even tell you what critical race theory is. They just know that they don't want to talk about it. Like, what is critical race theory? None of them, the overwhelming majority of people who I know visually hated, they cannot define it. They don't know what it is at all. And it, it, you recognize that like, we just have a generation of people on the earth, I hate to say it, that are getting dumber and dumber and dumber. They do not know how to listen to reason and have an adult conversation about anything. And so as a consequence, like I am, I tend to have an open-handed policy. I think when I was in my twenties and young and dumb and excited and still at a varsity and still 
Um, I mean, I knew Fuller was nuts when I got there, but Fuller was free. Um, but I think trying to have those conversations, I'm like, you know, I want to help educate people. I want to help, like, you know, open doors so we can have conversations about stuff. And now I'm like, I'm not going to do that. Like, I'm not, I don't have enough time on the earth to be able to try to convince someone that what my great, great, great grandmother was saying, my grandmother was saying, my mama was saying, what I'm saying, what I hope my children will say if I ever have them and meet them. And all of my friends and community, I don't have time to convince you of that. Like you have to want to be able to see it. And right now they don't. And so yeah. there's, that's not on us. Um, I think for my own immortal soul. So you and I don't die at 54. I just, I don't have those arguments with people anymore. Everybody who was not like a Republican in 2016, but everybody who was a diehard Trump supporter who believed in this man, this Jewish brother, you just got through playing, this fake Jewish brother that you just got through playing on this uh, on the podcast, like I'm not I'm not friends with those people anymore. I'm not Facebook friends with yeah. them. Yeah, uh, the work that we do uh, at Be the Bridge, like we have a vetting process, and you have to be at a certain place to where you are open to learning and growing before we have a conversation with you. If you are not at that point, it is too triggering and traumatizing for us to be able to have those types of conversations. Or if I do it, I charge them a lot of money. Because then it is a consultation. <laughs> right. I'm not, I'm not finna sit here and pour out my heart for two hours. And you're like, I don't know if black people were actually lynched. That'll be $5,000. <laughs> and then that way, I can go out to eat and go shopping. So it was like, because then it was a consultation, right? I wasn't I wasn't there pouring out my heart and you dismissed me. No, I'm going to give you my education, experience, and expertise, and you do what you want to with it. So, and that keeps me sane. It's it's some very firm boundaries. I have very few limits. I have a lot of limits rather on the people that I will talk to and engage in that work because it's, man, we, we cannot navigate the world the way in which we used to. I'll say this and I'll, like, I'll throw it back to you. Um, no, no, no. One Cause I'm like, I'm a blurred, I'm a proud black nerd. And uh, a couple of years ago, man, I, um, uh, I decided to pick chess back up. And so uh, like I learned it in elementary and then stopped playing for a while, picked it back up. And so got a bunch of uh, the cheap books on a uh, Kindle and damn man, I was shocked that every single book on chess, I realized that I had been taught wrong. Like if you know anybody that's a novice chess player, they tell you about all the chess pieces, the kings, the queens, the knights, the bishops, the rooks, the pawns, and all of that. And they tell you about like, you know, how they can maneuver and the power that they have. You read any introductory book on chess, and they will tell you that there are two important things. You have to know the players. You got to know the pieces on the board. You got to know their power. The second thing you have to know is the board itself. You have to know the board because you have to know when you are in danger and when you are not. Most chess grandmasters, they can look at a chess board and they can instinctively tell you if you are going to win or lose simply by looking at the board and where you are. And so for me, I'm like, we are in America. We are in a racialized society. People of color have never been believed. Um, Only white men have been the predominant voice for over 400 years. And so as a consequence, I have to recognize that. So I, I navigate, I meander, I move through this board that is America differently because we are always in danger, psychologically, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. I just maneuver different now. Like I don't I don't have a choice. When Trump got elected, it, we recognize these fools do not believe us. They are not listening to us at all. If he runs again in 2024 and he's not dead because he's in great shape eating McDonald's every day, but whatever. If he runs again in 2024 or the next incarnation of him, my jackass of a governor, Greg Abbott, uh, old dude from Florida, Ron DeSantis, uh, any of these cats, if any of them decide to run, 
white evangelicals will abandon whatever they're saying right now and they will jump back into that same plane again. So when you know that, you just you navigate the world differently, man. You have to. So that's that's what it is for me. I, that's beautiful. That's a beautiful statement. I love that. I mean, I think and that's a good point place to kind of put the pin in because I know we could keep going. I was going to play a clip from, uh, you, you, you know, your, your dear good friend and and. Um, and sister in Christ, uh, Candace Owens. Uh, but uh, <laughs> why? Please, please don't trigger me. Don't trigger me, please. It is twelve fourteen. I am not trying to have a glass of whiskey um, before I have lunch. Please don't say Candace. No. I was just gonna say, man. You know, she's got so many great things, and it's funny because there's a couple cats on that were former students of mine white guys uh, who just keep sending me stuff like well you gotta hear this out and I've read their book and I mm-hmm. you know I've read you just you gotta hear it you know and it's with the critique right of the right or really whoever I mean I, I put it you know I put it out there I mean I think you know also libertarians and people who you know try to think that they're like critical thinkers yet like you said don't even know one critical race theorist but yet are ready to go in and, and create a dissertation worth yes. of arguments about <laughs> something that they know very little about so yeah, right yeah, I, I don't. I do like somebody this weekend was just like, "Hey, I saw you were friends with this person on Facebook." I was like, "Oh, well, thank you." You know, I've been purging my friends list. I don't know who that fool is. I would just get rid of them right now. <laughs> Unfriend. Right. That's right. That's right. I don't. Because and right. and you know, and I get that. You know, the the you know one of the critiques. Oh, you don't want to hear things that like fool. I'm in the academy. My whole oh. world is about listening to different perspectives but like yeah. neil degrassi said yeah. i'm not going to argue with foolishness no that's right i'm not i'm just not well to say that i'm not i'm not going to debate facts y'all have fun yeah in our professional lives we can do that but in my personal life when i am off i am not here for somebody that is argumentative just for the sake of being argumentative right I just want to debate things time and time again right i say it often like well we debate in the abstract we accept in the concrete, right? Like there's yep. just, the only reason why y'all are debating with me is because you like the fact that we are arresting more black and brown people. Exactly, exactly. If you did, we would want to have a conversation and change. Now, man, I don't I don't deal with Candace at all. I love what Dave Chappelle <laughs> said. Uh, she is the most brilliant, stupid person I think that has ever existed. She is so brilliant. If you listen to her, she will tell you just how stupid she is. It is, it is, that is a brilliant, dumb person. I'm yeah. not going to say that's a woman because patriarchy is real. That is a yeah. brilliant, dumb person. She is highly intelligent and so colonized. It is frightening. Yes. It is frightening. Along with the, unfortunately, they have the same name, last name as me, the Hodge twins. Oh, ugh, uh, uh. <laughs> Yeah. So, nope. Man, I tell you, Brother Sean, thank you so much for taking the time out on a Sunday of all days, man. I know this is kind of the rest day. um, And uh, I appreciate you and just your thoughts and, you know, having this conversation uh, in and around what what does God really look like and how all this interweaves back into what we've been talking with today. Race, you just said it, patriarchy, capitalism. Yes. Neoliberalism, which, you know, yes. we, we haven't really addressed, but we've been talking about it, right? It's like, you know, this yes. this this understanding of what it looks like. I love Carrie Day's response to it and same thing with Monica Coleman and how they mm-hmm. kind of look at that, right? And in, in, in juxtaposition, right, to like postmodernism and how we look at, you know, some of these reductive arguments. Yeah. And to the point that where we're at now, where so much of what we believe is our sound bites, yeah. talking points, 
rather than actually digging into stuff. So I appreciate you breaking some of that shit down, man. Um, yeah, man. Where can folks find you? I mean, you've been on the show before, but I just wanted you know, for new <laughs> listeners, where can folks come get you? You know, in that consulting, maybe somebody says, hey, Brother Sean, will you you'll tell us a little bit about your opinion on critical race theory and and whiteness? Uh-huh. Uh, I mean, I appreciate <laughs> Brother for real, man. So definitely on Twitter and Instagram, Sean is fearless. S-E-A-N is fearless are both my handles. Uh, I'm director of training and strategy at Be The Bridge, faith-based nonprofit that does uh, DEI work. Uh, I run my own consulting company on the side too called 4A Consulting. So I think when we want to go through uh, Be The Bridge and do those channels, like I definitely support that. And that's my full-time job. and love that and believe in that. And so I think Be The Bridge stuff, contact us through uh, bethebridge.com. If you're like, Sean, we we'll have a conversation with you. Holler at me on uh, Instagram and on Twitter and through 4A Consulting. Happy to be able to have conversations about those things. Uh, and damn, man, I'm just grateful to be on the show, man. So I think probably from... That first class that uh, I took from, the only class I took from you at Fuller, and I was like, I know. we need to be friends. As soon as this was over, <laughs> and we be friends in real life. And so, <laughs> I, I know, man. The journey of that man, because I think um, I think all of us, like this conversation you and I are having, when, and you, you know this too, there are so many of us of all ethnic backgrounds and the white people who get it. No, the people of European descent who have retired from whiteness, there are a handful of them but all of us at the margins, we're all having the same conversations. What do we do with God? What do we do with Jesus? What do we do with the church? What do we do with America as a whole? Because it is getting worse. Like they're not, they ain't pulling out guns and just shooting people, but it may as well be heading in that direction. Like this just, the violence is increasing in language and politics and economics uh, and law and all of those things. And so what do we do? How do we navigate this? Um, where, what is a place of refuge for all of us? And how do, you, how do you have hope in the midst of a world that clearly, you know, I think in 50 years when our grandparents, our grandkids ask us like, you know, what happened? We need to be able to tell them the truth, right? And so, I mean, I just appreciate the conversation because it is so needed. And there are so many people that I've met that are like done with the church. They, they feel like they're done with Jesus, but they're not. They just like the white Jesus, they are done with him without question. And so it's like, how do we, what's next? Like how, where yeah. we need a different well to drink from. We need a different place to live and to operate because what got us here, this, this ain't going to work no more. So That's I'm just grateful for this, man. It is like, it's, it's just needed conversations for the sake of all of our immortal souls. So man, appreciate you and the work you do for real. Thank you, man. I appreciate you, man. And you're absolutely right. A different well to drink from. I see that an, an, an analogy uh, in my home in Texas, uh, it was so rural that you can, I, well, at least when I was back there last, you can yeah. actually still see wells in the back of people's homes. And mm -hmm. I can look to the left and look to the right and you can literally see wells, like concrete mm -hmm. rock wells <laughs> that were sitting yeah. there. Um, yeah. And that, that visualization sticks with me, you know, it's like, mm -hmm. man, because uh, that's the truth. I'm right there with you. I'm I'm like, I'm not throwing Jesus out, but I'm definitely done with church, been done with white Jesus. I don't believe, I'm, I don't want to go completely Gnostic, agnostic. I don't want to, you know, dive too much into, you know, atheism. But I'm also not willing to, you know, like you said, waste time on bullshit, you know, and kind of just keep repeating some of the same cycles in church. Yeah. So yep. thank you for the work that y'all are doing uh, as well and, um, and the work you're putting out there, brother. Appreciate you, man. Appreciate you.